freaks, geeks, and peeps, it's Kelsey here, the host of Slime and Slashers, the YouTube channel, and I'm here just to remind you that this is an audio-only version of my YouTube channel. So this video you're about to hear was previously recorded and released on YouTube, and in this case, this is an older video that I uploaded a while ago, so anything that I reference that might be you know, from the past, just keep in mind it might not be a current thing. And if you do want to check out the original video with any links that I might have originally linked in the original video, I will have that original video linked down below so you could check out the original and see what I wrote in the description and also see the b-roll footage that I included in the video itself and find out more information of anything that uh, might seem vague or unclear in audio only format. Anyway guys, I hope you really enjoy this episode and until next time, Keep on killing it! Enjoy! Welcome fellow freaks, geeks, and nostalgic 90s nerds to my channel, Slime and Slashers, where, yeah, we talk about everything from Nickelodeon slime to horror movie slashers, but plenty of stuff in between. Like today's video, we're talking about, specifically, carnival-themed horror fiction and like one amusement park-themed horror fiction book as well. So, carnival, mostly amusement park book thrown in, and also one random paperback from hell type of read as well. So we're gonna talk about all that because it is my February reading wrap up. And in the month of February, I hosted a big carnival themed readathon called Kelsey's Carnival. So when we come right back after my short intro, we will talk about all the flippin' awesome books I read in the month of February. See you back here in just a second. Welcome back, guys! Okay, let's talk about all the books I read. And for this, I've done this before. I'm gonna do it again. It's going to be my book awards for the month of February. So Kelsey's Carnival Book Awards. Every book that is carnival related or amusement park related will receive an award because all the books I read had different strengths. And one book in particular had a very big weakness and that will receive a negative reward. But we will get there when we get there. And I think I just said negative, like it really weird. <laughs> anyway, ignore that. Before we go on to the awards, let's talk about my stats for the month of February. Okay, so reading stats. I read nine books. Eight of the books were carnival or amusement park related. The ninth book was for my friend Kelly's book club. Her book club is called the From Hell Book Club, and you could find more information about that if you go and follow her on Instagram at Kelly Hooked on Books. And I will talk about that book at the end of this video because it was the very last book I read for the month of February. So I'm gonna talk about it last. And everything else is being talked about in a random order because I'll be giving out awards. Okay, so in terms of star ratings, I had four four five-star reads and that's freaking crazy that's flippin insane but also awesome and badass so i'm kind of excited about that it was a great reading month in terms of the quality of the books i was kind of in a slumpy mood but it had nothing to do with the books it was more like trying to get into the mood of reading no matter how good the book was but we'll get into that as i talk about things but i also had two four and a half star reads which is pretty darn good one four star read one three and a half star read and one 
two-star read. That was my dud. That is the one, spoiler, that is going to get the flippin' negative award, and you guys will see which book that will be. In terms of the amount of pages read, I'm pretty proud about this. I read 2,362 total pages in the month of February. Very excited about that. I did listen to an audiobook, and we will talk about that as well. But I count that as pages read, uh, especially because I did look at the book physically while I was listening to the audio. So it wasn't just a straight audiobook listen, it was also a read. And the last stat I have for you guys is basically surrounding publishing years. So nine books total, and out of those nine, one book that I read was from the 70s. Three books I read were from the 80s. Two of those three books from the 80s were published in 1989, my flippin' birth year, baby. So uh, 1989, by the way, I did this whole birth year book tag created by Ollie at Criminali. Check out his channel. I'll link it below. Wonderful, wonderful creative tag that he created. And I had such a blast answering the questions. Most of the questions were about books, but some of the questions were also about movies. Essentially, the gist of the tag was... Have you read any books that were published in the year you were born? Have you watched any movies released the year you were born? Spoiler alert, I read more books since I answered that tag from the year I was born. So at the time, I had only read, I think, one or one and a half. Now I've got two more to add to that list of books that came out my birth year that I have read. So I was pretty excited about that. So just to recap, one book from the 70s, three from the 80s, and five books published between... 2010 and 2020. So that totals nine. That was my reading. I feel like it was pretty diverse, yet yeah, leaned towards newer books. If you're counting 2010 to 2020 as newer, I do. And that's unusual for me, but I feel like it was still overall a decent mix and I'm happy with it. All right, so the first award I'm giving out for the Kelsey's Carnival Book Awards. I'm not gonna do that every time, but the first award is for the book with the best atmosphere. And spoiler, it was one of the books that was discussed recently live on my channel, so I did a live stream for it that narrows it down to two possibilities, but the winner for most atmospheric read for the month of flippin' February is... House of Illusions by Ruby Jean Jensen. So, as I referenced, I do have a live stream discussion of this book up on my channel right now as we speak, but it includes spoilers. So guys, please be careful. If you do want to go check out that discussion, make sure you read the book first, or you're gonna get the whole thing spoiled for you if you haven't already read it before checking that out. I was really happy with the fun live stream discussion, of course. Eventually, we kind of meandered and talked about our favorite way to eat a hot dog because, yes, hot dogs and other awesome carnival foods are discussed in this book. And that's what lends this great air of atmosphere to the book. There is this wonderful carnival vibe all the way through. You've got clowns. You've got discussions about the carny people traveling along with the carnival and you know, especially like their trailers and how the midway looks when it's all deserted and how that's kind of creepy and spooky. So I thought it had a marvelous, very thematic atmosphere. And that is why it wins the award for best atmosphere. But yeah, one of the things that is discussed at length is the different food that is being sold at the carnival. Hot dogs. That's why we talked about hot dogs and our favorite ways to eat them in my little live discussion. 
Also, we just talked about a whole bunch of other random stuff, like if we liked cotton candy or not, because cotton candy is also described. But really, I think hot dogs are described quite a lot. And popcorn. Now, this isn't the only book that mentioned carnival food. But this is the one that I felt like I could really picture it while reading, and I could almost smell it. And the carnival itself was described better, I think, than any other book I read, except for maybe one. This one just had a carnival vibe all throughout. Now, what it had in atmosphere, there was other things it lacked, like it was kind of slow and repetitive. And I talk about this at length in my reading wrap-up. The essential plot of this is two sisters, Jody and Amy, go to stay with their father because their mother has remarried and has a new baby and they're feeling really bummed like she doesn't have room in her life for them anymore. And the kids are almost right in thinking that because the mom does ship them off to their dad who they really have hardly ever met. I think the older daughter has spent more time with him than the younger daughter and they haven't spoken to him in years. What the hell are you thinking, mom? Why are you just sending them off to a basic stranger, essentially? The dad lives with a traveling carnival and he travels along with them. That's what he does for a living. So the girls are going to live in his trailer and travel along with him. I don't know how the mom thinks this is a good idea. It is summertime at least. So it's not forever at the time that they go and stay. It's not like they're going to be there forever, but the girls start to suspect that they will. But they quickly learn to like the carnival setting, and then there's this creepy house of mirrors, and one of the sisters finds this talisman. And then things start to go crazy at the carnival after this talisman has been found. Is it evil? Well, it sure seems like a big coincidence where they found this flip a necklace, and then all things start to go to hell at the carnival, and murders take place. However, there just wasn't enough brutality in this book for me, especially when I compare it to the other Ruby Jean Jensen book that I read last year, which was The Reckoning. I felt like that was a lot more gory and more bloody, but, however, I still really love reading Ruby Jean Jensen because it's always a fun time. She's a good writer. Some people might think she's kind of generic, but I love her. If you want to hear way more of my thoughts about House of Illusions, please go check out that chat, as I mentioned, but it does contain spoilers. This book was published in 1988 originally. This is the new edition, which was super cheap on Amazon, but I do have an old school awesome edition, which has an, a holographic cover. But I do want to say what my rating was, and I'm going to look at my little rating chart in my agenda, my trusty agenda. So I rated this a three and a half stars and I'm going to round it up when I rate it on Goodreads to a four. And the only reason I'm rounding it up instead of down is because of the really wonderful atmosphere, hence why it won the award. The next award is for the book that I read in February that had the best characterization. So the book that I felt really did a good job at making me feel like these characters could be real people these characters in this particular book that's going to win the award were super fleshed out and I was really interested in getting to know them. So the award for best characterization goes to... It goes to Geek Love by Katherine Dunn. And yes, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. It was a five star read for me. This was one of the books I read that was published in 1989, so my birth year. And as you can see, I marked a ton of flippin' pages and passages. Just the characters were so fascinating. This story follows a Carney family, and essentially they're not just a family that travels with the carnival, they own the carnival. And the two parents of this family, they essentially want to ensure the longevity of their carnival. What they decide to do is 
breed their own freaks, which is really questionable in terms of morals and stuff. That's insane. My friend Kelly, I buddy read this with her and with my other friend Crystal. She's on YouTube. You could find her on our channel, Fiber Artsy. And Kelly, as I mentioned, also Kelly Hooked on Books. But Crystal specifically had a great review of Geek Love. So this used to be one of her all-time favorite reads, but she hadn't read it in a long time. So she decided to reread it with us. And for me and Kelly, it was a first-time read. So for Crystal reread, me and Kelly, first-time read. Kelly gave it a three. She thought it was too slow, too character-driven. She likes plot-driven. She likes when things are happening. If you love character development, you will enjoy this book, especially strange, unique, out-there characters. But there is something that's going on. There is an undercurrent of a story. But really what takes precedent over that is getting to know these people, this family, essentially. And they're very complicated, very twisted relationships to one another. It's so dysfunctional, but that's why I loved it. And just, it's so well-written, too. Apparently, according to Crystal, because she reviewed this and she gave some information, Catherine Dunn, the author, spent like 10 years working on this. And I could see that because it just is very well-written and it seems like she kind of agonized over some of her word choices, which I kind of like. It, it just seems very purposeful, everything that was written. It's not there just to be there. Now, some people might say, like Kelly, that some parts are just too long-winded. I just, I enjoy getting to know the people, though, and that is why it has won for best characterization, at least in my opinion. Now, Crystal has changed her mind a little bit because she was in a totally different place in her life when she first read this and discovered that it was a favorite. Upon rereading, it's just different. She's in a different place in life, and I think that can be said for anybody. If I read this in 10 years, I might feel differently about it. Who knows? That's why I think rereading is so important and so fun, too, because you won't necessarily have the same exact opinion of the book you read, especially if it was from a long time ago. So Crystal said that, Catherine Dunn said that the metaphor of the story of the freaks in the story was that uh, it has to do with acceptance, self-acceptance, and body image, and self-image, but also disability. Catherine Dunn was trying to, like, say, you don't have to be ashamed of who you are, but Crystal was saying, and this is me just kind of summarizing what she said, uh, you have to really listen to her review to get the exact gist of it. I don't want to say that I'm saying what she said word for word. I am paraphrasing right now from what I remember that she said. She said that she's not sure if Catherine Dunn should have written as a non-disabled person, making a metaphor about disabled people. Truthfully, when I was reading, I didn't even see that. I kind of saw that she was kind of writing more about self-acceptance in general. I didn't see it about disability versus non-disability. I thought of it as self-acceptance versus not. Uniqueness versus being like what is mostly considered normal. So I didn't really think of it in terms of specifically disability. But after Crystal said that, Catherine Dunn literally said that was one of her metaphors she was going for, then I could see why Crystal felt that way. And she didn't dislike it now that she reread it. She just kind of gave it a little lesser of a rating and she has more mixed feelings about it versus absolutely loving it like she did back in the day. I encourage you to actually go listen to her entire review because she she goes much more in depth on it than me and it's kind of like a stream of consciousness review to where she kind of gives her thoughts as they come out very free-flowing very well said and she has such a soothing soft-spoken voice so that's something to look forward to if you go check out the review because yes her reviews and videos in general they're so calm so if you're looking for a calming voice 
she's your gal for sure. But I really did have fun buddy reading this with Kelly and Crystal. I wish they would have liked it a little bit more. I was like obsessed with it. I was like, oh my god, yes. I was kind of sad to be honest when it was over. And our main character who we are following the most, who's basically telling us the story, is her nickname is Ollie, but her full name is Olympia. And she is a dwarf. And she's also an albino dwarf. And to her and to her family, she is the most not unique of the bunch. Like, she doesn't feel very unique at all. So the least unique, I should say. That's the correct way of saying it, Kelsey. What are you thinking? But you guys know what I'm saying. So to her family, she's the least unique. So she always wished she was more unique, more different, more, quote, freakish in a way, if you want to consider it like a freak show type of deal. But yeah, this was just so good. And it also had a very strong carnival vibe because you're literally with them as they travel from town to town. You get descriptions of different acts within the carnival. You get descriptions of different characters coming in and out of the carnival. And there is this weird cult type of side story going on, but I won't elaborate too much about that because it's best to discover it for yourself and, uh, Really, though, I wouldn't read this unless you like characters. If you love characters that are well-written, then yes, check it out for sure. So here comes the negative award that I warned you guys about. This award is for the most disappointing book that I read in February. And most disappointing goes to... And this is sad because I was so excited for it. Funland by Richard Lehman. No! I gave this two stars. I only give it two stars because there was some decent gore at the end. Otherwise, I might have even given it a one star. I know my friend Daisy, she thought this was okay. Not the best Layman read. She likes Layman too. I read a Layman last year. The reason I'm so disappointed, I read Endless Night by Richard Layman last year. It freaking pressed the gas pedal down from page one. From page one, it's tense, it's exciting, it's stressful. You are rooting for the main character. This is the exact opposite of that, and that is why I didn't like it. Now, Daisy gave it a more fair, like, three star, maybe three and a half. I can't remember. I have to look at her Instagram post, but somewhere in that range. And she was wondering if I was going to explain why I disliked it. Well, I'm going to explain now, because it just was such a letdown after the wonderful excitement and fun of Endless Night, where I was basically like on the edge of my seat, biting my nails, whatever you want to say. I was freaking entranced with that book. I was so into it. And it was a page turner and it was so easy and fast to read. It was similar to this book in length. Yet this book took me forever to read and it nearly put me in a reading slump. In fact, I started to feel slumpy when I picked this back up, I had started it before Geek Love, started Geek Love because my friends had started to read it. Then I came back to this after Geek Love. And after I came back, I was like, oh my god, no, this is so difficult to get through. And that's when the slumpiness started to ramp up. And I was like, no. And it kind of carried with me even after I finished this and was reading really great things. I just couldn't get the vibe of reading back. And part of that was because of stuff in my personal life really has been... It's very sad it, the last couple of months since the end of January and even sadder this week too. But, you know, usually reading can like, you know, be an escape for me. But when you're reading a bad book, it doesn't really help things. It doesn't really help you escape when you feel like you're reading. And that's what this felt like. I thought to myself, Richard Lehman, Carnival, together. 
what could be wrong with that? What could go wrong? Well, it turns out a lot can go wrong because yeah, it was boring. It was boring as hell. Let me just say like the action doesn't even pick up to the last 70 pages, which wouldn't be so bad in a book that was like 150, 200, 250, maybe pushing it pages. This book is for 10 pages, bitch. That's too long to wait to have the action pick up. And so by the time I got to the action, even though the action was decent and it was kind of scary, it was just, I was over it. I was like, I'm over this. Plus the antagonists, they weren't that exciting to me. It's like, it's like bums, which kind of seems a little wrong that Richard Lehman is making these bums all out to be devils and stuff. I mean, he's really painting them as, like, terrible people. And I just think that's kind of, like, a overarching generalization that shouldn't be placed on a whole group of people. <laughs> uh, but maybe it was just the group of people in this specific, you know, little city because there was something going on. So a lot of this book takes place in this, like, House of Mirrors place, but also on this boardwalk, which is essentially, like, it's not really a carnival per se. It's kind of like a... Uh, an amusement park carnival that stays in place, so it never moves. It's in this city, and there's all these characters I didn't care about. In fact, the very main character, Jeremy, I hated him. He was kind of macho and sexist and really disgusting. And yes, Richard Lehman has those types of characters in his books, but they aren't always the good guy. Like, a lot of his characters are sex-obsessed, so that doesn't bother me. That even was apparent in Endless Night. But really, the bad guy was the worst when it came to Flippin' being gross with his thoughts and with his sexual desires. It wasn't really, like, the good guys in Endless Night who were like that. And this, one of the people who you're supposed to be rooting for and who you're following, or you you, you think you might be supposed to be rooting for them, but you then you get all confused because they're, like, saying, like, I'd love to beat her up and teach her a lesson, bitch. Like, stuff like that. Like, I was like, what's going on here? There was hardly anyone likable except for this girl who played Banjo. She was like the only likable character. Otherwise, even these people who had been hurt by the bums became like the villains. And so that is why I was like, I'm over this. I'm just over this. It wasn't exciting in the least. And when I got to the end, it just wasn't enough to make up for everything else that I slogged through to get there, if that makes sense. So I'm really passionate right now about how I dislike this because I just had such high hopes and it's such a bummer. However, I really want to thank Kelly for giving me this copy of Funland. I'm going to still keep it because, I mean, even for a new edition, the cover's kind of cool and creepy. I love book covers with clowns on them. And so even though this isn't like a really awesome illustration or anything, I'm going to keep it because I want to have a big Richard Lehman collection. And this is not going to stop me from reading future Richard Lehman. I'm going to take a page out of my friend Ollie's book. I'm going to reference him one more time. Again, his channel is already going to be linked down below because of his birth year book tag video. But I want to reference, he also has two videos about Richard Lehman. One saying like, you shouldn't read Richard Lehman. He's so messed up. It's kind of like, we need to talk about Richard Lehman is the title. And then he's got another one where he says, who has two thumbs and is giving Richard Lehman another chance? And he means himself. <laughs> so he does give Richard Lehman another chance and talks about the better Richard Lehman books that he's read recently. But in one video, he talks about Funland and he's the one who warned me that this one's not very good and he was right. So yes, two videos, one kind of totally bashing Lehman and his style, but saying that he can understand why some people think it's entertaining. But the other video saying, well, he's got some better books 
if you know which ones to go into. And so I'm gonna try to really pick out a great Layman read for the next one I pick up because I will not want to be disappointed like I was with Funland. I just can't have that happen again. I was so bummed. I was like, where's the excitement? I mean, there's these police officers we're following, don't care. There's these other people we're following. Like I said, the teenagers, don't care. The Banjo Girl, I liked her. She was cool, that's fine. By the way, this love interest of Jeremy's, she's supposed to be likable, uh, but she is such a fool that she even cares about this freaking dirtbag Jeremy that I just got frustrated with her too, and she's supposed to be a good character. So this poor love interest girl, who really is just getting, like, betrayed left and right by Jeremy, she's still into Jeremy nonetheless, and then she does stupid things along the way, and that also made me mad. So I couldn't like her either, even though you are supposed to like her as well. So anyway... That is my rant about Funland. So be warned if you're trying to go into it, it's not, it's not as exciting. I mean, I praised Endless Night so highly. I even gave it an award for my end of the year book awards for 2021. For Endless Night, it was a great book. I really enjoyed it. It deserved an award. This one deserves an award for being a dud. So yeah, like I said, kind of go into it knowing that it's not as exciting as what I said about Endless Night and how I felt about that book. So uh, I never say not to read a book, though. If you're intrigued and you're okay with it taking a long time to get to the finale, to get to the crescendo, then why not give it a chance and pick it up? I never say don't read it. Uh, you know, I would love to know if you guys have read it, what you think about it below. The next award is for the book that had the best audiobook. Now, this is kind of cheating because I only read one audiobook for the entire month. So you're probably saying to yourself, how can you choose a best audiobook if there's only one option? Well, I gotta say, even if I had listened to multiple audiobooks, I have a feeling that this would still win for best audiobook because it was so well produced. And out of other audiobooks I've listened to for other reading months, I feel like this is the best one I've listened to, period. Since I've been listening to audiobooks, this one was the most well-produced out of all the ones I've listened to thus far, which have been about, I don't know, six or seven or eight, maybe more. But yeah, it's about a, you know, it's under 10, but still, I feel like that's a good pool, and this one, like, being the best is saying something. All right, so the award for best audiobook goes to Fantastic Land by Mike Bakovin. Now, I gave this a four-star rating, a flat four stars. And I could have maybe even given it a three and a half star. But again, the audiobook was fantastic. No pun intended. Or no reference or whatever intended. Fantastic Land was fantastic. The reason I enjoyed this as much as I did, I think, was because of the audiobook. Because... The story starts off a little dry and slow. In fact, my friend Amber over at Secondhand Reader, she actually DNF'd this 20 pages in because it is a little dry at first setting things up, but you really got to push through that. And by page 70, and that sounds like a lot of pages in, but it's really not when you're listening to the audiobook, that really picks up because by page 70, we're getting people's accounts who are trapped in this amusement park. So the idea of the story is there's this huge hurricane that destroys parts of Florida and just really decimates everything. There's flooding, there's like mass problems, and the government response is super terrible. And so, essentially, there's all these workers who agreed to stay behind at this amusement park and to take care of the park, you know, through the hurricane. They were not anticipating being stuck at this amusement park for literal weeks. Now, they weren't in any danger of running out of food or water, and that is discussed right at the beginning. It's not giving away anything. 
but things really devolve in the park and there's all these factions and groups that form and everything is not friendly. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens. However, I actually thought it was going to be way crazier than it ended up being. Now, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. A four star is a decent rating for me. It's actually a really high rating for me. But people were like, this is one of the craziest books I read. And it, it there are some crazy parts, but I just thought it was going to be more crazy, if that makes sense. More wild, more exciting. However, once we get into page 70, the emotion really picks up, the story gets interesting, and it's just it's really intriguing to see the different perspectives of the people who are in different groups stuck in the park. So essentially, it's accounts of survivors. It's written like like uh, all these accounts, like these interview transcriptions. But what makes the audiobook great is that literally there's so many interviews in here. Now, if you just read the book, you're just going to be reading like it's a transcript of an interview. But all the questions are removed. So it reads like a paragraph, like a person telling a story, but it's still an interview. However, if you listen to the audiobook, it's the different voices that really make this. And they got so many different audiobook, like, I guess, voice actors to read the different parts in this. It was awesome. It was so well produced, just to emphasize that again. We're talking about there was 23 different interviews in this book you know, fictional interviews. And so they had to get 23 different narrators, plus the author who is gathering up all these interviews within this book. It's not Mike Bakovin, it's the fictional author that is gathering all this info. They had to have a voice for him as well. So I just thought that was super well planned, super well executed. So that's what made it more enjoyable in my opinion. Now there is a creepy part with these people and it's worse than stuff that goes down in the park. It's something that happens kind of within the park facility at this hotel and that part is creepy, but that doesn't happen or isn't explained until later on. That's even creepier than all the violence and all the escalation within the park. This random stuff that's happening like on the outskirts that you don't really know much about type of deal. So yes, I would say pick it up. It's definitely worth reading. But if you like audiobooks, this is one that you should listen to specifically. I really do believe that. It's really well done. The next award is for the funniest read of the month of February. And this one was such an easy choice. My God, I hardly ever laugh out loud while reading a book. However, with this particular book, I did laugh out loud more than one time. And that is saying something that is special for me. That does not happen hardly at all. Hardly ever. Okay, so the winner of the Funniest Book Award goes to Clowns vs. Spiders by Jeff Strand. Yes, I cannot wait to read more by Jeff Strand. I obviously really jive with his sense of humor. It's dark, it's absurdist, it's weird, but it's perfectly me. I had such a ball with this. It was a super quick, easy, fun read, light in a way, but still had carnage and uh, gross stuff. Literally, the story is about this group of clowns and they end up fighting spiders because these spiders get disturbed from their long sleep in this cave because someone's trying to blow up the cave entrance and build something near there. And then a swarm of spiders come out and they're really big spiders. And then there's this group of clowns who actually get fired from their circus because, you know, good clowns aren't in demand anymore. So they have to get a job being spooky clowns at a haunted house. And they're just appalled because they feel like they're they're betraying everything that they believe in, in terms of the clown code and bringing cheer and laughter. They don't want to 
add to the whole idea of clowns being scary because they're sick of that idea that clowns are scary. They believe that clowns are supposed to bring joy and bring smiles to people's faces. And so they are just trying to get used to having to work at a haunted house. And that in itself is hilarious. The way the clowns talk is so not believable, but the way he writes it it's incredible. I can't even explain it. So I gave this book five stars because it deserved every freaking star. It was such an easy five star rating. Like after I was finished, I was like, there's no thinking about this necessary. It was such an easy decision to give it five stars. It was just so enjoyable. I mean, I can't believe I laughed out loud. I'm still shocked by that. So some of the clowns featured in the story, their names are Jaunty, Bluehead, Wagon, Reginald. My favorite character was Depravo. Uh, because he was the haunted house guy. He was the guy who worked at the haunted house and hired the group of clowns from the carnival who had been let go. And he was just so angry with the group of clowns for being appalled at having to be scary. He's like, come on! And he was just hilarious. He was the best character. I would almost describe the humor like hidden humor or dark humor or just like, I guess, you know, off the wall humor because I don't know if everyone would like it, but... There's also some great kills, by the way. Like, I know there are some scenes where spider legs are coming out of people's mouths. And, oh my god, it's so great. So many uh, twisted parts to this story. On page 50, like, Depravo is telling them how scaring people can be as addictive as coke. And, like, which is ridiculous. The way it's said and written is just funny. Jaunty is, like, the most sensitive clown of the bunch. And he really got his feelings hurt when he made a little girl in the haunted house cry. And then him and Depravo get in this big argument. And this is Depravo just tearing down Jaunty and really giving him a lashing. He's saying, In your attempts to salvage the dignity of the clown race, you've brought disgrace to clowns everywhere. You fucking suck, Jaunty. And, like, that's literally what it says in the book. So I don't mean to curse, but it's there. It was just really just gold. In fact, I even put pages 71 to 75, gold. So on page 128, they are stuck in a car debating on how to use the bathroom, and this is what is written. I have to pee too, said Depravo, but I'll let my bladder explode before I stick my dick out that window. Jaunty turned around in his seat and glared at him. You're not my boss anymore, so how about you not use the D word around me, okay? I'm still everybody else's boss. Do you really think they're going to reopen the Mountain of Terror this season? If the windows weren't covered in spiders, I'd at least see half a dozen dead customers. Jaunty felt guilty about the casual reference to death. Those customers probably had families and pets, but he wasn't in the mood for Depravo to talk about his genitalia in crude terms. Can I say wiener? Wiener is fine. Then I shan't be extending my wiener out the open window, lest it doth get bitten by a spider. I don't know. The sarcastic back and forth, the innocence of Jaunty and the other clowns, and how they're, like, very weird about, like, you know, things like that, things like cursing, and they're just so, like, sweet and innocent, and, like, that just makes for a great, very unrealistic type of story, but I really liked it nonetheless, because it doesn't matter if these characters are kind of unbelievable, they're still fun, and that's the point. By the way, this is one of the books that mentions Pennywise the Clown, and how, you know, Pennywise helped to give clowns a bad name, and a couple of the books I read, it's funny, at least three or four books I read mentioned Pennywise. I thought that was really fun that so many different books mentioned him, and that just says a lot about the, the influence that the book It has. 
honestly, I have marked so many pages. Like, I honestly cannot read it all. And I'm not even doing this book justice. I wish I would have had a live stream discussion of this book where I could talk spoilers and I could talk about quotes. I wish, in a way, this book would have won a little bit because, uh, in addition to Taste Like Candy, I wish that Clowns vs. Spiders would have came in second because the top two books every month I'm gonna have a live stream for. So if it would have came in second, I could have had a live stream for it. And man, it would have been so fun to read these quotes to you guys and, uh, you know, just talk about how funny. And if you guys found it funny too, uh, it would have been a lot of fun. But there's this one part on page 202. Let's mess up some spiders. And then there's a pause. To save lives, not for revenge or pleasure. So, of course, there's the weird innocence that doesn't make sense, but it's just lovely nonetheless and so fun. I think this could be a wonderful movie. I could have really seen the dialogue being spoken by actors, and this would have been a really great kind of comedy or horror comedy movie. And yes, because also the kills are pretty brutal, like I said, and referenced. So the kills on screen would have been cool, but even more so the dialogue would have been kind of funny had I heard it out loud. And yeah, I am going to be rereading this at some point. It is marvelous. I cannot recommend it enough. Definitely not even close. It was the funniest book I read for the month of February, but it was so much more than that. It just had a lot of, it also had a lot of heart, funnily enough. But yes, it just had a lot of everything. It had a lot of uniqueness i think is the perfect word it was so good will this wind up in my top 10 of the year we'll have to wait and see next award is for the most emotional book that i read in the month of february and this one was tough because i mean i think geek love is kind of emotional as well and that could have been a contender but as you guys know i already gave it an award for geek love so this award does not go to geek love it goes to Taste Like Candy by Ivy Tholen. And this is another book that I have a whole live stream discussion of up on my channel right now. I will link that below. I had so much fun with everyone who was in the chat. Not only is this the most emotional book, it could have won for a number of different things. It also was a contender for funniest because there were some parts in here that I laughed out loud. Some of the girls in here, essentially the story is, by the way, a group of girls have to go on a scavenger hunt at this Halloween carnival. Yes, Halloween carnival. And they have to go in there. It's part of like their senior year initiation. And we're talking senior year of high school. But something goes awry and then there's a killer out for the girls. And we don't know why. So it's a slasher book, essentially. And it's such a hidden gem. I never have heard anyone talk about this. I only discovered it while looking up carnival-themed books, one, and two, my friend Kelly shouted it out and suggested it, and then other people seconded her suggestion of it, and that's how it wound up in the poll. And also, just look at this amazing cover. Like, once I saw the cover, I was like, I guess I'm gonna have to read this. But putting the cover aside, the insides deliver. If you love slasher books, pick this up. But if you want to go a step further, if you love slasher books with heart, with flipping uniqueness, with a punch, this one is also for you. It's not your basic slash and bash is what I'm trying to say. It had a lot of different facets to it. And I know a lot of people who gave this a five-star rating or a four-star rating. I don't want to overhype it because that could always be a danger for some people. However, I personally love this and I it exceeded all my expectations because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know much about this book going into it. So just such a good read. And this is a newer book. It was published in 2020. So I was very surprised that it was such a good slasher for being such a new book. It was really well done in every way. And the reason it was most emotional is because 
you get to know the characters. Again, these group of girls, I wouldn't think I could relate to a group of modern girls because, you know, I was in high school back in 2007. That's a big gap between modern day teenagers and when I was a teenager going into senior year. But I related to them quite a bit. And I think Ivy Tholen, the author, did a wonderful job at making you care about each and every one of the girls because it was kind of a large-ish group of girls. And she did a great job also of giving them each individual traits and personalities. So I really felt like they were very distinct characters and you could easily tell them all apart. They were all different. They felt real. And I, that's why another reason why I really enjoyed the read because I got attached to them. Hence why it's emotional because people do get killed and I'm not going to say who or how many. So yes, you got to read it for yourself to find out. But yeah, I highly recommend this was a five star read for me and it was a very easy decision. I couldn't stop reading it. And if you want to read it and then go hear my discussion on it to hear more of my thoughts, again, that will be linked below. But I give this my highest rating and I'm going to talk about this again when I have my slasher readathon later on in the year in June. I'm going to do a whole recommendation video and this will be a part of my recommendations, at least part of the recommendations that I've read. Then I'm going to have another part of the video where it's like, ah, these are slashers. These could be good, but I have not read them. But yes, this will be one that I'll be able to endorse personally because I read it and I'm telling you, I loved it. And it could have also easily won for best setting. Now, we're not talking about atmosphere. We're talking about setting because everything happening at a freaking Halloween themed carnival made it extra unique, extra special. I love Halloween. So that was a cool little extra. Another cool thing that this had was unique and creative kills. It had marvelous kills. Uh, very, very good. And uh, things you wouldn't think about. Also, all I got to say is watermelons. You'll know if you read. If you know, you know because you would have read it and then you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't read it, you'll have to see what I mean by checking it out. I would definitely say this is underrated. I hope people pick it up because I think this book deserves to be read. I really do. Next award is for the bloodiest book that I read in the month of February for my Kelsey's Carnival Readathon. And this one was really easy to choose. Now, I did just say that Tastes Like Candy had some creative and amazing kills. And that book was gory. It really was. However, there was a book that surpassed it in terms of gore, and this one easily won Bloodiest because literally, like, every other page, there was, like, a bloody scene and extreme gore, and if you like that type of stuff, this will be right up your alley. So, the award for Bloodiest Book goes to... Clown Flesh by Tim Curran. And yes, I thought this was so graphic, but in the best way. Man, there were some good kills. Now, if you guys have heard of Dead White by Alan Ryan, that is about a town that gets closed off in this blizzard and they're invaded by this dark group of clowns. I've heard bad reviews about that book. I mean, it's got mixed reviews. Some people are like, oh, it's pretty good. Other people are like, it's too slow. There's not enough happening with these clowns. You know, you would think that a Snowden town and some killer clowns, that would make for a perfect recipe for a wonderful horror book. However, some people seem to think that Dead White failed in that area. I cannot say anything about Dead White as I have not read it yet. I kind of do want to read it, especially to compare it to this. So the uh, the plot of Clown Flesh is essentially the same idea. There's this town, they get snowed in, this uh, insane blizzard, and there are these killer clowns that show up. 
that don't seem human and things go to hell and tons of people end up getting killed lots of killing like i said lots of carnage this is going to be a great read if you love carnage and really well done gore like everything is done really well and written beautifully and that sounds weird but the kills are actually written really great like the language is amazing there's some really well chosen words in here if that makes sense so i also gave this a pretty high rating i gave this a four and a half star rating i'm gonna round it down to four stars because i mean there was a ton of killing but i mean it could have been a little shorter but i mean i wasn't ever bored during it but i do think it could have been a little bit tighter at some point there was like just tons of killing and i was like oh my gosh i think clown flesh fixes some of the issues that people had with Dead White and kind of gives it a modern spin on the same type of story. But again, I can't really say anything about Dead White since I haven't read it. But all I know is that this was brutal and sick in the best way. And there was just so many extreme passages. And I did write my notebook some parts, but yeah. It's definitely worth checking out if you enjoy gore, if you enjoy stories with really evil, scary clowns. Like, if I were to give a award out for scariest clowns out of any of the books I read, because a lot of them did feature clowns, I would have to give the award for scariest clowns to Clown Flesh. So it could be a dual award, bloodiest, but also scariest clowns, for sure, because, like, really, it's no contest. There were some scary clowns, kind of, in House of Illusions by Ruby Jean Jensen, but those clowns were nothing compared to the ones in Clown Flesh, for sure. This is not Giggles, or Bobo, or some harmless, limp-wristed kitty party clown, but a monstrous, malevolent wraith of pure evil wearing the skin of a clown. It's not a clown, not really, a voice in Teague's head tells him. It's a demon. It's something from hell. And if it gets loose, you've got a life expectancy of about 30 seconds. So really great quotes throughout, like I said. It's really well written. I mean, at some points, it's just, like, the descriptions are great. There's a stinger-like tongue, sizzling goo, poison sap, purplish blood, steaming tissue, a meat storm is described at one point, bleeding entrails. Like, there's a Pennywise reference in Clown Flesh as well, so here's another book that mentions Pennywise. We've got literal descriptions of human pretzels and human balloon animals. Like, oh my god. Just, like, brutal descriptions, just to emphasize that again. So, in closing, I really hope some of you guys check out this book so I can hear what you think about it. And if you've already read it, drop what you thought about it right now in the comments below because I'd be interested to know what kind of rating you would give it if you've already read it, as I said. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a good time. I would totally reread it in the future after a couple of years. It was fun. Okay, and our very last award is for the cutest book. And that award will go to basically the only kid book I read in the month of February. So it has to go to Carnival, which is part of the Monster Street series. This is the third book in the series that I have read, and I gotta say, it's tied as my favorite of the series. So the two I like the most so far out of the three I've read is this one, but also I've really liked The Halloweeners, which was the other one that I gave a five-star rating. So this one was a five-star for me. It also takes place at this carnival around Halloween time. So it's a Halloweenish carnival, kind of like tastes like candy. So this had that too, but it was just cute. But most middle grade reads are cute, but this one really had like the spooky flavor, but it had like a great story and a great relationship between these two brothers who go to visit their aunt and they go to this carnival, but 
something happens with the little brother and he starts to keep wanting to go back to the carnival and then his appearance starts changing but only his big brother seems to notice and you know things take shape from there and the big brother is trying to figure out how to get his younger brother back to normal essentially so wonderful story lots of heart but great atmosphere too. So this had it all and it was a wonderful read. Hence why I gave it five stars. If you like middle grade reads, there is no reason not to pick this up and Halloween would be a wonderful time to do so. So that was it for my awards. I hope you guys enjoyed all of the books I discussed. Again, each book had its own strengths and in one case, a very big weakness in terms of Funland, but I enjoyed most of them. Again, I it's I'm very surprised that I gave freaking Funland such a low rating, but yeah, uh, two stars. And so let's talk about the very last book I read, which was just for my friend Kelly's book club. It had nothing to do with carnivals, but that was the book Elizabeth by Jessica Hamilton, aka Ken Greenhall. This is the second book I've read by this author. The first one was Hellhound, which was one of my favorite books from 2021. So I had high expectations going in and I was not disappointed. I will say I liked this one quite a bit, but not as much as Hellhound. It's just behind Hellhound, really. This, for me, is a four-star book. I had a great time with it. Actually, I gave it four and a half stars. I'm going to round it down to four, but technically a four and a half star rated book. And you really don't know if you can believe the main character. Is she a witch? Is she crazy? That's essentially the plot line you're following the whole time. But the reason why I rated it so highly is because the voice of the main character, Elizabeth, who we're following throughout the whole story and hearing her thoughts, she is super cold and calculated and very dry and very just off-putting in how cold and you know, just unfeeling she is, if that makes sense. And the style of narration reminds me of the other book Ken Greenhall wrote that I read called Hellhound, like I said. That one also, we're following a dog and a little boy as well, and other characters too, but the dog and the little boy are both very similar in tone to Elizabeth in terms of how those characters speak and talk and how cool and calculated they are overall. Elizabeth was very much like that as a character and her voice, essentially. It was just so eerie and off-putting and there was something off about her you could tell the whole time and that was really unsettling to read and I think that's why this book works and that's why I really enjoyed it and yes I would totally recommend it and I would also recommend his other book Hellhound he has other books as well in addition to these two but these are the only two that I have read and I could put my personal stamp of approval on as of now but yes good stuff that I really really enjoyed in terms of Elizabeth and Hellhound. So yes, check this out. This was another success for Kelly's Book Club. I'm glad she chose this one. But I actually think that is all I have to discuss. I was just making sure that I didn't have to tell you guys anything else, but that's gonna be it for me. As I say every video, I really appreciate you guys spending your time with me. I know it's been a long flipping video. And I also appreciate all of you who participated in my Kelsey's Carnival Readathon with me because that was so much fun. So thanks for that as well. But for this time, as I said, that's it for me. Till next time, you know what you can do. Keep on killing it. Bye, guys.